different parts of his perfect character to us. And for the church in Smyrna, Jesus is revealing himself. Listen, I am the one who inhabits all of time and space. I'm the first and the last. But I'm also the one who moved through death back into life. And for the church in Smyrna, they needed a savior who knew death and resurrection because of the persecution that they're enduring. Who do you need Jesus to be today? Maybe you need him to be your strength, to help you endure a battle. Maybe you need him as healer. We all need that. Maybe you need a rescuer, a comforter. He's all that and more. Pastor Daniel today will be telling you who Jesus is and why it's exactly what you've been searching for. He'll remind you to come to Jesus in those times of trouble as well as when life is going well. Jesus is perfect for those times too. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, as he begins his message, The Church in Smyrna. So each one of us know this kind of intuitively, but we don't always think about it, that exactly what you're going through right now is the curriculum for what God is trying to teach you. See, God has this way of organizing our lives and orchestrating our lives in such a way that he's like, I want to teach you things. And so I use circumstances to get us there. That's not only true for us as individuals, that's true for us as families. And it extends into communities, church families, nations. God is always interested in growing us up. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine and my friend, they have like a a one-year-old child and we were talking about their little son and he's so cute and and they're like, well, how's it for you? You have teenagers. I heard the teenage years are horrible. And I said, well, actually, they're not horrible at all. You know, my part of it is we have great kids and I thank God for my bride, Lynn, for that, you know, but we, we don't have like the crazy teenage years in my home. But when Annabelle gets a little older, who knows what's going to (laughs) happen? Because she's me, you know, so it's it's a little terrifying in a sense. But I was telling them, I'm like, listen, the key is to learn how to enjoy each season for what it is. You know, like the little years are challenging in their own way. You know, the teenage years, challenging in their own way. When they're grown up and out of the house, but they're still your little boy and your little girl... It's challenging in its own way. When they start having families and having kids and you start having grandkids, it's challenging in its own way. See, at each step, there's something that God's trying to do. And you can look at that in any area of life. If you're a student right now, being in school is hard, but it's the context that God wants to disciple you in. If you're just starting a brand new job right now, guess what? That's the context that God wants to grow you up in. If you've been at a job for 35 years and you're trying to figure out how to make it five more years. That's the context to which God wants to grow you up in. If you're single, your singleness is a context for God to disciple you. And if you're married, that's the context. And at each step of the journey, 
The key is to say, Lord, who are you and what are you teaching me? Who are you and what are you teaching me right now? And what we have a tendency to do, mostly just because we're blessed to live in a society where we can make so many changes, like we can decide where we want to live, kind of all these different, that we, what do we want to do for work, all these different things, is that we're so used to not avoiding things that are challenging that rather than embracing where we are, we have a tendency to not like it and want to change it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should never change it. But while we're changing things, we should say, God, who are you? And what are you trying to teach me right now? And what's amazing is, is we're in the series in the book of Revelation. And we're in this second chapter, really chapters two and three, these seven letters to the seven churches. And what we find in each one of these churches is that each church has a different context in which they're existing within. It's a different community. There are different variables that they're doing. They're all church. It's all a group of people who are gathered together in the name of Jesus, wanting to be salt and light in their community, in their world, and honor God and glorify him and grow in love for one another. But in each church, there's different things happening. There's different issues. There's different strengths and weaknesses. But each one of these churches, God wants to reveal himself to them, and God is looking to grow them up, to teach them. And he uses their context to do it. And so as we continue, let's open up our Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. We'll take verses 8 to 11 today, the second letter to the second church. So if you brought your Bible with you, turn that Bible upside down, open up to the last book, and that's the book of Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. I want you to be able to, to read along with us. Now, I've said this, each letter has a similar outline. So each letter begins with the revelation of, this is Jesus saying, this is who I am, right? And then from his revelation of who he is, he talks about, these are the things that you're doing well, although unfortunately there are some churches that don't have anything well spoken of. Then he moves from what's going good to these are where the issues are. These are the things that need to be changed, the rebuke or what's bad. There's a couple churches, like our church today, that doesn't have anything bad spoken about them. Then it moves on into the challenge, that for each one of us, God challenges us to simply respond to him, right? Every single day of our life, there's a challenge from the Lord that says, listen, will you respond to me? Will you follow me? And then for the person who overcomes, there's a promise. There's a promise to the person who simply responds to Jesus and sees that thing to the end. Then there's this, this promise that Jesus gives. Now, as we jump in here today, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, it says, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things say the first and the last, he who was dead and came to life. Now, the letter is written to the angel or to the messenger of this church in this place called Smyrna. Now, what's interesting is Smyrna is about 35 miles north of Ephesus, which was the last letter. And most people, Bible scholars, would tell you that these seven letters actually created almost like a, a semicircle. It would have been like a, a mail route or a trade route. So from Ephesus, you go about 35 miles north to the ancient city of Smyrna. It's the third largest city in Turkey back in the day. It's actually now it's present day Izmir. So if you look on a map of Turkey, it's actually where Homer, who wrote the Iliad, he was born in Smyrna, which is now called Izmir. You know, it has a great history. It has a great port city. It was like Ephesus. It was an important center in the ancient world where there was lots of things going on. There was commerce. There was lots of people there. So to the church in Smyrna, 
Jesus says, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Now, really what this is, is to give us a principle, and I love talking about this, is that really Jesus is the resurrection. He's the first and the last. He was dead and he came to life again. So it's kind of, you notice the paradox within it, the seeming contrary ideas. He's the first and the last. Like Jesus, like, hey, I'm the A to Z. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. It speaks of Jesus as God being eternal. Always has been, always will be. But in the midst of him being the first and the last, he also died and he rose from the dead. So really this points us right to the fact that Jesus is the resurrection. Now, as we get into this letter, you're going to see why Jesus is revealing himself to the church in Smyrna as the first and last, the one who died and came back to life. Because what we're going to see is the church in Smyrna is, has intense persecution happening. That their faith is being challenged in the crucible of persecution, something that many of us do not understand at all. We, we've never experienced. And I thank God for that. But the reality that Jesus wants to show himself to the church in Smyrna as the first and the last, the one who died and the one who rose again is very important because in each season of our lives, in each time that we're learning and growing, Jesus reveals to us different parts of who he is. Like the season of life you're in right now, whatever it may be, there is a corresponding part of the nature of God that you can only learn in this curriculum. You know, it's funny, like as my kids are getting older now, I have an eighth grader and a sophomore, but they're both kind of pushed ahead in math. Who knows where they got that from? Because neither Lynn nor I can, can take any credit for any of that. But it's amazing that I ask questions about math and I'm just like, I look at them, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> you know, like that's pretty much how that goes. I'm like, this is why we have Google. You know what I mean? Because I have no clue what to do with any of this stuff. But what's amazing is, is that like what I do remember from math, which is not much because I did a good bit of cutting math class before I knew Jesus, of course. <laughs> but like math builds on itself. Unless you understand addition and subtraction and multiplication and division, then you can't necessarily understand the next step or the next step. So there's a, there's a sequence to the way this thing builds. And in a lot of ways, growing with Jesus is the same way because as we move through different seasons of life, Jesus is revealing different parts of his perfect character to us. And for the church in Smyrna, Jesus is revealing himself. Listen, I am the one who inhabits all of time and space. I'm the first and the last. But I'm also the one who moved through death back into life. And for the church in Smyrna, they needed a savior who knew death and resurrection because of the persecution that they're enduring. And in the same way, Jesus wants to teach you parts of the manifold reality of his character. Like Jesus is a lot of things. He's, he, you know, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the great prophet, the great teacher. He's the great healer. He is the most compassionate person you will ever meet. He is also just and righteous. He is the suffering Savior, but he is also the great conquering King. See, 
No matter how long you walk with Jesus, whether you're here today and you're going to begin your journey with Jesus or whether you've been walking with him for decades, we never exhaust all of the nuances of who Jesus is and what he's done. We can never say, I fully understand everything about Jesus. Because so much of growing in our knowledge of Jesus comes from walking with him, experiencing him as the healer, as the one who wounds to make stronger. Seeming contradictions, but in the journey of life with Jesus, it's very, very important. So the question for each one of us right now is, what aspect of his character is he trying to teach you today? I always say, like, confession is good for the soul. It's bad for the reputation. It's especially problematic when you have a microphone on, you're talking to thousands of people at a clip. But thus is, this is my life. I am always learning that oftentimes because I do not enjoy discomfort, that the very things that I am resisting are the very things that Jesus is trying to teach me. I kind of think if it's one person's struggle, it's kind of all of ours in some way. I mean, some of you are just like straight gluttons for punishment. If it's hard, you're like, yes. And then there's the rest of us, you know? And so like, what are you resisting today? What is it that maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a circumstance that you're pushing it away. What I have found is that is almost always what Jesus is trying to teach me about who he is. Like Jesus is trying to teach me that he is God and I am not, that he is in control and I've never been, right? Jesus is trying to teach me that the way to resurrection life is through dying to self. And I don't know too many people who really like embrace the, this dying to self thing. You know, I know Jesus teaches it. We know it's the way, the abundant life. But for most of us, when it, like everybody wants to die to their self until it's time to die to yourself and then you fight against it, right? And so, Jesus is inviting us. And, and I would say, because he is the resurrection, the things that we are not wanting to embrace are really the most poignant things he's trying to teach us. Now, of course, this is what Jesus said about him being the resurrection. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 says, Jesus said to her, speaking of Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? And in a lot of ways, this is why following Jesus is the best thing ever. Because Jesus is the only person in the entire world who has ever lived or who ever lived, who is the resurrection and the life. What he's saying is that death has never had the final word. That whether it's dying to self in a spiritual sense on this side of eternity as we're, we're growing, as we're the grain of wheat that goes into the ground and dies, and, but if it doesn't die, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus uses this picture about our lives. That wherever Jesus asks us to die to ourselves, it's always because he wants to bring a resurrection that is more glorious. But don't forget, at the end of it, he says, do you believe this? That's a nasty question. Because right now, I'm absolutely sure that right now, there are things in our lives that are dying right now. 
Not that we didn't want them to die, but they're literally like, it's like a relationship is ending. A career is ending. A circle, it's ending. And Jesus is saying, this is dying, but because I am the resurrection and the life, I want to birth something new. But for most of us, when it's dying, we're like, no. When really, because we believe in the resurrection and the life, we should say, yes. Not that the, the death is fun, but we realize that the death gives way to the abundant life. And can we just be honest? Like, this is why the, Jesus talked about the, the gates beat. It's narrow. It's a difficult way. There are few who find it. It leads life. And, and I believe that that's speaking of Jesus himself on the way of salvation. But I also believe it's the same story for the way of sanctification, the way to, to grow and be changed to be like Jesus. It's a narrow gate. Like, you, you can't do whatever you want when you follow Jesus. I mean, you can, but it doesn't lead you to where God has, wants you to be. Right? So, like, the, when you're following Jesus, the gate becomes narrow, where it's like, yeah, I can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. The number of times something happens to me, and I go through the list of all the things I want to do that I can't do. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, can't say that. Nope, don't say that. Nope. You know, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I used to say stuff like that. I can't do that anymore. You know, and, but the gate is narrow. But the beauty of the gate being narrow is not that it limits our potential. It actually blossoms our potential because Jesus narrows the gate down so that we die to ourselves, that he might resurrect something to fruitfulness, which is what he really cares about. He wants us to bear fruit in our lives. And because he is the resurrection and the life, and then we have this beautiful promise that, of course, that says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So now we're also talking not only about the abundant life on this side of eternity, but we are talking about eternal life in the hereafter. Now, I always like to remind people, because we are very much people who live here now, and we have these lives. But I'm here to tell you, however long you get on this side, eternity is way longer span of time. It's a way longer span of time. And eternity matters because each one of us was created for eternity. And there's nothing worse than giving up eternity with God for a few years of pleasure that isn't really that pleasing. And a lot of us have been down that road, right? Where you're like, man, I don't want to do that. This is going to feel better. I'm here to tell you the short-term pleasures in comparison to the long term of eternity, it is not a good trade. It's not logical. It's not practical. And anybody, if they were your parent, would say, don't do that. Because we're talking here about eternity. And Jesus is the resurrection. So from there, laid this foundation here. Look at what happens for this church in Smyrna. So Jesus reveals himself. I'm the resurrection. I'm the first and the last. I died. But now I'm alive. I came to life. Verse nine. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they're a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now, really what we're gonna learn here 
this is true for the church in Smyrna and it's true for you and I, is that we need to learn how to be resilient under pressure. We need to learn how to be resilient under pressure. Like the church in Ephesus, he begins, I I know your work. So he's like, I know what you're all about. I know how you're living your life. But then he says, I know your tribulation. I know the trials and the struggles. I know the storms that you're going through right now. Of course, Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Tribulation. Nobody loves the first half of John 16, 33. And I always said it. I always wish he had said, in this world, you might have tribulation. But he says, you will. And, and I kind of love Jesus is a straight talker that way. He doesn't sugarcoat it to make us feel better. In the world, tribulation is part of the deal. And for the church in Smyrna, there was severe, of course, tribulation. He says, and I know your poverty, but then he says, but you are rich. Now, what's amazing is one commentator said, speaking of the two different words in the Greek language for the word poverty, he says that one word for poverty means there's nothing superfluous, there's nothing extra. But the word that Jesus uses here is a word for nothing at all. Not, you know, so there's one type of poverty where you have nothing left over, you have nothing extra. There's another type of poverty when you have nothing at all. And that's the type of poverty that the church in Smyrna was under. Like they were literally completely and totally impoverished. I remember reading the biography of a great saxophone player named Ornette Coleman. If you like jazz or if you like free jazz, most of you don't, but I do. Ornette Coleman, you know, kind of, you know, blazed the trail. And he was talking about growing up in Fort Worth, Texas when he did. And he said in, in his autobiography, he's like, my family was so poor, we were po." Which is kind of a significant statement for this guy. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what the church in Smyrna was. They weren't just, didn't have anything extra. They didn't have anything at all. But Jesus said, you are completely materially impoverished, but you are rich. Now, I want you to take your pen and I want you to underline that in your neighbor's Bible. Just go ahead, just do it. Do it real quick. They'll forgive you, it's church, or there should. And if you do it, say, Fusco told me to do it. It's not my fault. Here's the deal. We live, as I like to say, that famous American theologian Madonna said, we're living in a material world and we are a material girl. (laughs) I can't mess with the lyrics that way. It's just set in stone for everybody. I can't, you know, it doesn't say we're a material boy. But you know what? So so like we live in a world where materialism is, is such a driving force. And listen, we all like our stuff. Can I get an Amen. Like, we all like our stuff. Whatever, like, whatever your stuff is, you like your stuff. Some people, they're like, man, I love collecting stamps. Other people, I like my collection of bases. I like my cool cars. I like my outfits. I like my guns. I like my wives. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I was making that up as we're going. I couldn't resist it. I didn't mean it in a way that you thought, you know, it's like people like their stuff. Jesus is. As you've heard Pastor Daniel say throughout this study in Revelation, you can learn more about Jesus on every page. He's also reminded you that this is the point of Revelation, to know your Savior. And today's message was no exception. You learn that Jesus is exactly who we need Him to be, exactly when we need it. 
If you've been struggling with something in your life, right now is a great time to bring it to your Savior. Let Him fulfill the need you have because He will better than anyone or anything. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about Smyrna's struggles. Not only was this church poor, they were also struggling with a group of people founded on heresy, not on the Bible. And they're going to be facing persecution. Uplifting content, right? (laughs) Don't worry. Jesus has some encouragement to share, too. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Revelation of Jesus Christ next time. Until then, may God bless.